When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. I was slightly dreading my journey home from the Premier Sports Studios on Saturday evening. I wanted to get back quickly. There was a lot more sport to be watched. I don't need to check with you, Murph, by the way, that you, you did, of course, watch the full coverage of Wolves playing come back against Chelsea on Premier Sports. <laughs> um, so anyway, after that, there was <laughs> there was Brighton Man United. So your, your line just dropped there just for a small yeah, second, on, and I feel like I shouldn't happen. answer if, if yeah. I didn't underhear the entire question. Yeah, so. yeah no, we, we, we <laughs> truck on. There was Brighton Man United, Cork, Kerry, Leicester, Leinster all on around the same time. And that was even before settling down for Liverpool Spurs later. So the problem that I had was my route home was going to be affected by the post-match revelry of the victorious Munster fans. Because last I had checked... They were 10 points up or something like that. Yeah. So I figured... 15 the to go, 24-14. Yeah, honestly. And it was like, you know, I, I didn't want to be spending my, my entire time uh, trying to work on Premier Sports, checking on the latest. So I was like, oh yeah, okay, so Munster are probably going to win that. So I figured the streets would be thronged with pint-swilling Munster folk delaying the trip home. Alas, the bars looked quite empty. Had had My brain was working very slowly. Had Munster been beaten late on? Had the fans all scarpered away immediately at the full-time whistle? Somehow, without leaving a trace of their existence <laughs> anywhere within a 100% of them too to depressed to go to a pub yeah just gone you know gone no finally my brain they all just here. they were helicoptered out like it was the last <laughs> days of, just before the fall of Vietnam it was almost worse than that they, I realised what had happened they'd gone to extra time and ultimately into a rarely spotted Champions Cup penalty shootout which did not finish did not finish the way anyone in Ireland wanted. Well, anyone in Ireland? Slight exaggeration, maybe. Certainly didn't finish the way the Munster fans wanted it to happen. So um, I presume most Leinster supporters wanted Munster as well ah, in the semi-final. Ah, yeah. Surely. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. know it had to be. I think I think all of Irish rugby was uh, supporting the men in red, but it didn't happen. Let's remind you of what went down at Lansdowne Road on Saturday. <laughs> Ils vont 
pas très bien et là dans ses seconds, the clock has gone into the race, which will entice him to take, and I think Ben, ben Healy must have a kick. Ben Healy, Jack O'Donoghue says we're going to have a crack off this, pal. Healy has this distance, you know. As he comes up now, Ben Healy with the kick, smashes this one, kicks it towards the post. Ben Healy's kick has just dropped under the posts, and the referee has blown the full-time whistle. What a way to finish a game. And uh, Ben Healy, 15 in, on the 10 meter line, this near side of the pitch. He now kicks this one, it's gone towards the posts, and that has gone oh. to the left hand side and wide. That's it. And Toulouse celebrate because they're going to be able to win. Toulouse is in semi final, incroyable dénouement. Annie Sud is tiré au but after two prolongations. First things first here, I'm loving Zombie. Yep. So I am loving Zombie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm the first person to suggest this could replace or should replace Fields of Athen Rye. It's the anthem, right? Well, amazing fan base. Without a flaw, really. Proved it again at the weekend. The one thing being that song, Fields of Athen Rye. And Murph, you've touched on this on the show before. It's just, it's too modern. It's too slow. And then you have something like Zombie with an amazing chorus that everybody can join in with energy. And let's let's not beat around the bush here. The Fields of Athenry is very, very thinly spread out now. I mean, mm-hmm. like I, you could name dozens of teams now who think that the yep. Fields of Athenry is basically their their song of. I mean, Athenry itself. I mean, apparently Athenry is in County Down. Apparently, so this is the the story. But for better or worse, it's associated with the West of Ireland, with the small uh, but bustling town of Athenry, uh, ten miles from Galway from Galway City. I mean. You know, the Galway footballers, the Galway hurlers, their, their spiritual home is Athen Rai. The Connacht rugby team, the Ireland rugby team, and the Liverpool Munster rugby team. Liverpool With a and slight Celtic. Tweaking lyrics. Yeah. And Celtic. So, I mean... <laughs> so, we need I, a new song. Th- You're right. Well, I mean, a lot of teams need a lot of new songs. Let's leave it to the Galway hurlers, I would say. Everyone else, just disperse. Please disperse. You've had a good time with our song, but just leave it now, please. Let's just leave it. And find another song. Munster have uh, Munster have one waiting just right there. I mean, Zombie at the Aviva on Saturday, it looked and sounded absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was organic. Although it did give Murph, uh, give Simon some flashbacks, Murph. Don't know if you heard about this. Give Simon flashbacks. Not yeah. to the early <laughs> noughties again. No, not that far back. Just to last week, AIL final. Clontarf versus Terran Ewer. Simon's a... Yeah. Contarf man these days from Jerry Thorny's True. match the report. The second best atmosphere of the rugby season, these by the way. Days. I hope after you... Munster at the weekend. He's 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 joining the winning team. How many AALs have Contarf won in the last couple of years? By the way, I just find it very interesting that you're aligning yourself with the winningest team in AIL <laughs> rugby. <laughs> well, actually, they've struggled in finals, Murph. But I won't go. This into is that the today. point. This is the whole point. Here's Jerry Thorny's line from his match board. Mindful of Clontarf's five defeats out of six in final appearances, the Terenure crowd sang the chorus from the Cranberry Zombie. In your head, in your head. Uh, wow. So there you go. But of course, I don't need to tell you. Murph Forsyth that those Terrier fans weren't so smart after Clontarf sent them packing to clinch the AL title anyway anyway the penalty shootout itself what did you think of it si? I was we don't see these very often uh, I gotta be honest I was listening on the radio and uh, we heard a little bit of Michael Corcoran and Donald Lennon there uh, supreme commentators we, we know they've got a great rugby commentary team mm. but, uh, even at that I thought this sounds a bit flat yeah 
And then when I watched it all back, I was like, this is just not... Well, okay, when you're watching it back, you know the result. But I was like, this is... Nobody... A lot of people don't seem to really... The coaches don't... Are being told what's happening. The players, literally Entomac, the players. Entomac thought he'd won. When Entomac kicked yeah. his first penalty, Entomac puts his arms in the air as though yeah. they've won. And then it's like, oh no, we have to do another yeah. three kicks. It was all just a bit... And the, the, bit of an the crowd went completely quiet because rugby has no history of this. Was there one ever before in Europe? Um, so nobody knows the rules. Nobody knows how many kicks there are. Nobody's quite sure what's going on. Um, there's no kind of, you know, soccer fans, penalty shootout. We know exactly what's happening here. We know the pressure that's on. We know the skill involved, et cetera, et cetera. It's all fresh and new and a bit weird and flat. And it does test the nerve just like a soccer penalty shootout. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of proven, you know, like Entomac and Ramos and DuPont, the three kickers, really flushed it for all of their kicks. And... I was thinking about Ben Healy, right? His long kick struck it really well. This is to win it in uh, normal time. Yeah. Uh, struck it really well and it faded late. The long drop goal in extra time struck it really well, but it faded late. And even the second of his two penalties in the shootout struck it well, faded late. So the first one he, he kind of shanked in fairness. But for him to think, I'm, I'm actually striking this thing quite well and I've had one of the worst days of my life. But in terms of the penalty shootout, I mean... The other option, I, I've heard people put across the point that you could reduce it to 14 men, then 13 men, and they're getting so tired you get a try quite quickly. But then it raises the specter of injuries and all sorts of stuff, and actually people being too exhausted if you've done 80 minutes plus extra time, it's a hot day, etc., etc. So, Is there a better way of doing the actual... See, you're saying better way. I'm sure everyone in Toulouse is happy enough with how things went. <laughs> they held their nerve. They, they, they kicked their kicks. Uh, it was... The, I think it, um, it, was, I, it was a three uh, but, sorry Murph, I, I, I'll let you in here I just thought you know what's the point of a rugby penalty shootout if it's not if, you, if you're not going down the line and having the props kick a penalty <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of it's point that's the whole magic of, of, of penalty shootouts in football you get one or two really you get your regular penalty taker you get another one who probably could be the regular penalty taker you've got a, a silky midfielder who's always fancied himself as someone who'd slot a penalty then you're starting to get a bit of thin gruel around four or five and once you get into sudden death you're down to people who've never taken a penalty in their lives before uh, so all straight in front of the post yeah. you're saying so it's an easy kick so your first three or four guys all yes. do it easy right yeah and then yeah. you start to get yeah i love that and it's sudden death from like three on you know, yeah just, uh, he's gonna think for sorry murphy you're trying to get in uh yeah no i mean it's, it's just interesting that rugby are, is having this to debate a week after the Clare limerick penalty shootout which is the first oh, ever yeah. penalty shootout in the ga yeah. championship how did that go and what was uh, that like? Limerick won it. Uh, Claire missed it. Missed two. It was four two. I think Limerick won it. And yeah, there was like, like it. But I mean, again, like people know exactly what a penalty shootout looks like. I mean, there is a difference in the GA in that it's the first five kickers, and then for the next five, it's the same five. It, it it's the the sudden death. It's the same five penalty kick takers. So you don't the the cornerback doesn't get a chance to take the kick out. It, take the penalty mm. it's it's just the penalty it's the five penalty takers and they just keep taking until until okay one misses but i mean people know exactly what a penalty shootout looks like because it's the same as in soccer other than that one tweak so you know there were like clear fans masked behind the goals trying to make it difficult for the the limerick fans or for the limerick penalty kick takers and as a result the atmosphere was really really good like respect the kicker equals shootout dead duck that's basically what we've learned. <laughs> you know, like if that if that was like a wall of noise while 
the Toulouse ads were taking their penalties. If, you know, la- 100 lasers, tiny lasers green with green <laughs> lights like beaming into Antoine Dupont's eyeballs, then we've probably got a lot, a much, much uh, more dramatic scenario. As it was, respect the kicker, kill the entire thing stone dead as sporting drama. Mm. Isn't it strange it went so quiet, even with people's confusion over what was happening? Yeah, and like... It is utterly bizarre that this is the second one in like 25, nearly, you know, 27 years of European Cup rugby. Well, the equal amount of tries scored as well to make them force them to that, you know, that would have killed it as well. But like everything. I think think maybe, like, I think it might be a fairer way of doing it, the way that it was done. And on its merits, it seems to me to be a reasonably fair way of doing it. But certainly, from the point of view of like crowd, but, drama, but the fans need to buy into would, it exactly. Yeah, yeah, everyone would know. You know, you put the ball down on the twenty-two. You've got five kickers on each side. Like everyone is aware of that sort of sporting formula, and yeah. therefore, I think the crowd. It might be easier for the crowd, and indeed, <laughs> Roman Antomac to I, I, like, as actually a, yeah, figure as out what the hell is going Murray, on. As opposed to Conor Murray and Antoine Dupont just standing awkwardly beside each other for 10 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just think of the history in, in football of, you know, Penenkas and crazy misses by England players and all that. That all sort of ties into the drama of it. Whereas when rugby has nothing to look back on besides a, a Cardiff game 15 years ago or whatever it was, then it just lacks context, it lacks history, excitement. Yeah, I don't know. And at the same time, there is probably no better way to do it. So you just hope it doesn't happen very often. But just on the overall point about everything felt like it was heading towards a great day for Munster. Like the quality of their tries, the defence, the fans obviously being incredible. Pete O'Mahony having just one of those days where it made you feel like it was going to go for Munster. Uh, Young lads like Kandelan, which they've been crying out for, for a long time now to be at this level and look ready for it. Uh, DuPont looking shaky, really. I, the worst I've seen DuPont ever maybe in a big game. And that was largely down to Munster's defence. And ultimately leading it, I said, on with t- uh, 15 to go by 10 points. Like to lose it from there in extra time, having chances, and then in the penalty shootout to basically flunk the penalty shootout. Uh, it's a nightmare. Like It, it felt, it, you, it, it felt it, yeah. all along like this is a day they look back on as something special and brilliant. And then at the end, objectively, it's very hard to... I'm sure Munster fans feel differently, but objectively, it's very hard to take a positive from it. We're going to be talking uh, to, on tomorrow's podcast to Shane Horgan and Andrew Trimble. That's going to be for World Service members. But I am interested in sort of where, where it leaves Munster in the sense mm. of... Have you ever heard even Bernard Jackman this morning was talking about how the connection seems to be back with the fans and all this kind of stuff. But it was only a few weeks ago people were saying that connection wasn't there. So I, I don't know. With, with any sports team, I'm always a bit wary of this this idea of the connection with the fans because once you start winning matches again and, and going runs in tournaments, then of course the fans are going to love you. <laughs> um, mm. But I don't know I don't know w- w- what the feeling is going to be now around Munster after. The, well, it was 41,000 people yeah. feeling great for the vast majority of that day all together again. And there's something about the red and the sunshine that brings back 06 and 08. And it was the sort of heartbreak that they suffered almost every year prior to 2006. The heartbreak that actually made them what they were, made this bloody competition, let's be honest. And I don't know if there's that. It's a bit corny to say it's sort of a link back to the past and making them feel like the old days but it did feel like their romance or their love for the competition has come back this year and they've ultimately failed the way Munster 
you'd always want them to fail if they do have to fail rather than the lame uh, defences or the lame attempts against, say, Leinster and Saracens in particular over the last few years. They, they just failed the like way they, they didn't throw in, a punch. In they, actually, yeah. they did throw a lot of punches, I suppose. Yeah. They just, they just yeah. caught one or two that they probably... Yeah. Uh, Big thing, like, the, we've been saying it for years, they need to buy some props, particularly tight head props. Like, when you yeah. look at what the likes of Toulouse or Leinster's props do, and it, and they all do the basics as well, you know, they hold up their scrum, and they're doing stuff in the loose, and they're, they've got hands, and and then the Munster props aren't generally doing their basics. I know they were down Kilcoyne at the weekend, aren't doing their basics as well as the top, top teams. And then on top of that, they're not giving you much around the field. It's a, it's a major differential. Your initial thoughts, Simon, before we wrap on Leinster against Toulouse next week, again in the Aviva Stadium, short turnaround in mm-hmm. terms of trying to get the tickets sold, etc. How do you think that one's going to go? Although I see Leinster tweeting there that there's some tickets going for 10 euros, so they're going to repeat what Munster did. It'd be great if they fill the stadium, but if they get into close the to 40,000... Yeah, by the way, what a good move that, that was. Munster mm. played it so well last week. Yeah. On a weekend where... Uh, to go to Galway against Leitrim in the Connacht semi-final was €30 Euro for a stand yeah. ticket. Mm. To, to, to be given the opportunity to watch Antoine Dupont and Entomac and all the rest, as well as, like, your team. Or, like, as a, you know, as a Leinster fan or as a Connacht rugby fan living in Dublin, what a brilliant day, day out. Uh, Saturday was yeah. Uh, you know what I mean it's like I'm sure like obviously a lot of the people there were definitely Munster fans but geez, if you were a, a, a fan of any of the provinces 10 euro to go to the Aviva to see Munster against Toulouse it's an absolute it was an absolutely uh, a brilliant masterstroke by uh, the, by the 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 Munster board down there yeah. and uh, yeah and it's absolutely right that Leinster should be learning some lessons from that as well well absolutely and they have to do especially with given how how tight the thing is normally early. before a big Leinster game you know the ones at Christmas time you're seeing these these ads in the back of buses weeks mm-hmm. in advance mm-hmm. about, yeah. you know come see Leinster play whatever Northampton and, and December so oh, it is usually a huge push which, yeah I mean 10 uh, euros to effectively see Ireland against France replayed and it's 13 of the Irish team that played in Paris and 9 of the French team wow. plus a few extra brilliant <laughs> players like Peter Aki you know so and nobody could even quali- watch the first 20 the minutes of the game on TV yeah. Simon last week <laughs> yeah. uh, we, uh, the, the other day it was all there were three semi Heineken Cup semi-finals on at the same time at one stage after the Munster one and they've done the same for the semis they're really close together if there's extra time again I'm pretty sure they overlap it's like the second last day of the Premier League, the way they've done it, as if they need to coordinate everything. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's a strange one. But yeah. sorry, so uh, you think Toulouse, are Leinster beatable by Toulouse? Um, I was thinking about this beforehand, and, and Ken talking constantly about Real Madrid over the last few weeks, and how much Toulouse remind me of them this year. And historically, you know, they have the most uh, European Cups as well, the kind of the royalty of it. They always feel entitled to it. Uh, and this year, they've been a bit crap in the group stages. They lost to Wasps. They squeaked through to the last 16, partly thanks to results elsewhere. Should have lost to Ulster, were down late on, but came back to win it against 14 men. Should have lost to Munster, but came back late to win it in extra time. And now they're in a semi-final. And they've added, along with all their other gifts that we know they have and their self-belief, they seem to have added clutch wins to the mix, which is a big worry for the rest of the competition. I actually don't think they're playing particularly well they've an amazing scrum obviously um the odd move that works for them but Munster Munster's defense was better if Munster had, had even 60 40 in the scrums I think they would have won that quite easily mm. and I think Leinster they mightn't get 50 50 in the scrums but I can see them getting to 60 40 and having so many more weapons and Leinster have so much more to go improvement wise from the Leicester game played well I thought for 20 30 minutes and then 
were way off it and then still kind of won it handy. So Leinster have loads in them. They've all rested. They have a game back in their legs after that two-week break. Um, I'd make Leinster favourites, but a bit like Real Madrid, Toulouse might win it because they're Toulouse. Hmm. Sign up uh, now. Uh, just yeah. just uh, a wor- word of warning as well, that unless Leinster and Toulouse is a 24-hour uh, a marathon, there is sufficient time, given that they both kick off. Leinster Toulouse kicks off at, at 3 o'clock on Saturday. La Rochelle against Rastin kicks off at 3 p.m. on Sunday. So just an uh, FYI, everything's going to be all right, Simon. I know you you worry constantly about rugby scheduling. You want <laughs> as many people to watch as much rugby as is humanly possible once you pay your BT su- subscription. <laughs> I can tell you right now, Simon, you're going to get to watch every single minute of both having Cup semi-finals this weekend. Sign up now for the Horgan Trimble chat tomorrow and our London listeners at the Earth Theatre will get a second Horgan helping on Thursday evening. I Shades grew up on the banks of the River well, Boyne, so County Mead. Loads of good stuff coming up in London during the week and thanks to the good people at Aer Lingus who are flying us over and back. Thanks for listening today. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Owen, very much indeed. Thanks a lot. Take care.